Good morning, everyone, and uh, my name's Philip, and I add my welcome to Edwards to our service today. Uh, we're delighted that we have been able to film this today, and uh, behind the camera is Pete, as usual, and we just want to say congratulations to Pete and Kate for 32 years ago uh, this day. They were married here in this building, so congratulations, Kate and Pete. In a few moments, we'll be inviting you to, wherever you are, join us uh, to share communion together. When we do this, we do something really special, really powerful. It's something that Jesus asks us to do, instructs us to do, commands us to do in remembrance of him. And the focus of my message this morning is from... Paul's letter to the Corinthians in our series called Messy Church, when he addresses the issue of the Lord's Supper. So let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for your word that we've heard read today. And we pray that as we draw near to you in sharing communion, that you will meet with each one of us wherever we are. Holy Spirit, we invite you to reveal more of Jesus to us and to fill us with your love and your grace. In his name we pray. Amen. Come with me in your imaginations to church in Corinth, in those very early days of that church. You may want to close your eyes. I know that's a dangerous thing for a preacher to say, uh, but I'll tell you to open them up a bit later on. Imagine it's five o'clock on a Sunday evening. Sunday would have been a normal working day for Christians in the Roman world. But from the earliest days of the church, the followers of Jesus have met on a Sunday, that special day, that resurrection day, the day we remember Jesus rose from the dead. So in that early evening, we make our way to the home of one of the church members. We know that they didn't meet in particular buildings just then, but they met in each other's homes probably one of the homes of one of the more well-off members, a larger home where people could gather. And as we make our way, we greet one another on the way. We come from different backgrounds, different walks of life, men, women, young, old, slaves and free, Jews and Greeks, all different, but all one in Jesus. And we come because we believe in Jesus. We come because we want to know him more. And as we gather, we bring food and drink for that shared meal. News would be shared. There's always notices when church gathers. Songs would be sung, old and new. Old from perhaps the Psalms. New from maybe parts of the apostles' teaching that the new believers were getting to know. Some of which we find in the New Testament in Philippians 2 having the mind of Christ at the name of Jesus. In Ephesians 5, wake up, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, for Christ will shine on you, these early Christian songs. There might be a testimony from a new believer or someone who's seen God at work in a particular way that week, a word of prophecy, inspired by the Holy Spirit, maybe a tongue and an interpretation, all done to encourage one another, building up the body, and there would be teaching, maybe from the Old Testament, revealing Jesus in those scriptures. 
maybe from the recollections of Paul's teaching. He spent 18 months in Corinth and they would have talked about what he had shared with them. And maybe a visitor might have come that week from Jerusalem and might have pulled out a battered list of some of the sayings of Jesus. Remember, at this time, the Gospels had not been written down yet. And those sayings that people would have heard of Jesus would have been avidly listened to and learned off by heart. And then perhaps near the end of that gathering, the leader perhaps would say, we mustn't go without remembering what Jesus did to make us his people, how he died for us, how he brought us out of darkness into his wonderful light, how he set us free from sin and from death's destruction. Let us do then, he might say, as he told us to do. Take bread, break it, and eat it in remembrance of him. And then the cup would be shared, pass around the central room, the side rooms, maybe the courtyard, till all had received. And then as the evening closed, a blessing as they moved out into the night, encouraged yet again to live for Jesus in this world. Maybe. That's what a service may have been like in Corinth in the early days. You can open your eyes now. What do we learn from those things? Well, we know in Luke's writing in Acts about what was happening in the early church. He writes in Acts chapter 2, we listened to it earlier, that the early church met together regularly. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, and the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. We learn from that that the early church was a learning church, a loving church. They cared for one another. It was a worshipping church, and the highlight of that worship was the breaking of bread. It was a praying church, and it was also an evangelistic church. The Lord was adding to their number. What a wonderful church, an exciting church. And at the heart of their worship was that breaking of bread, the Lord's Supper, something that has remained central to Christian worship these past 2,000 years. And we gather today to do the same. So the question is, why did Paul have to write to the Corinthians to address this issue. Things had got messy. We've called this series in 1 Corinthians Messy Church. The church in Corinth had messed up in a number of ways. Things about worship, things about morality. There were divisions in the church. And also it affected the Lord's Supper. So Paul has to write them to, to advise them, to admonish them. To remind them what the Lord's Supper was really all about. Its true meaning and purpose. What had gone wrong? Well, some in the church in Corinth had turned that meal into a social event. And it had been a cause for division. That fellowship meal, that love feast, had turned into a kind of party atmosphere at which the wealthy wouldn't share their food with the poor. They kept and ate the best food for themselves. Some were even having too much drink and getting drunk. 
there was a division in the church. The hungry were left, left out, left humiliated. The background to that is the society from which they came. The society in Corinth in those days was very sort of divided. They had distinct social groups, a social pecking order. The rich never mixed with the poor. But that was not acceptable for Paul. What was normal in society was not going to be part of the church. It shouldn't be, says Paul. And that applies today. Paul had to write in Galatians 3 that we're all one in Christ Jesus. There is no dividing line. In a way, the Corinthians were practicing the worst kind of social distancing, social inequality. And there's no place in the church for that at all, the church of Jesus Christ. Something had gone wrong. It reminded me of a story that I read this week of a school groundsman. He was working to get the sports field ready for a big football match the next day. But the pitch that he was working on was used for lots of different sports. So he had lines all over the place. And his job was to rub out the ones that weren't needed and to mark the ones that were needed for the next day. But early on in his task, he made a mistake. And somehow crossed from one line to another. But he was so focused on what was in front of him that he didn't realise. Until he'd finished. And when he'd looked back... He saw what he had done. Instead of a neatly marked pitch, it was a mess of lines all over the place, the wrong place. He had rubbed out lines that he should have marked, and he marked the lines that he should have rubbed out. And in, in a way, that's exactly what the Corinthians had been doing. And Paul writes to them to mark the right lines clearly with respect to the Lord's Supper. Here in Corinthians 11... We have the earliest written recorded of what Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, what happened on the night of the Last Supper. In fact, it's the earliest record of any of the words of Jesus. And what Paul calls the Lord's Supper literally means the meal that has to do with the Lord. And he writes, as we heard earlier, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. That the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, the night he was handed over, the night he was passed on to the authorities, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, do this in remembrance of me. This is my body. And in the same way, after supper, he took a cup and said, this cup was the new covenant sealed in his blood, the new agreement between heaven and earth, that his sacrifice would be all that we needed to be right with God. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And then Paul adds, whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Paul is calling the Corinthians back. He's instructing them that they had gone wrong and they needed to come back to the heart of worship that real meaning of the Lord's Supper. And Paul says that when you do that, when you share in this meal in the right manner, you are making an amazing confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
He is your saviour. You are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Now you can listen to a sermon or a message, but you don't have to commit yourself very much. But when you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you commit and confess faith in Jesus. That's why it's for believers. All are invited to come and believe in Jesus. That's why it's so powerful. That's why eating and drinking in an unworthy manner, says Paul, we bring dishonor to the, the body of Christ. We dishonor Jesus. And he warns them that not only does it dishonor Jesus, it's detrimental to our own walk with God. And even to our health. When we eat and drink, we declare to the world that Jesus is Lord. We declare to the principalities and powers that Jesus has conquered on the cross. He rose from the dead. Death couldn't hold him. And he is coming again to judge the living and the dead. He's coming again to bring a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. The Corinthians, says Paul, had taken their eyes off Jesus. They'd followed the wrong lines. They'd messed up. And he calls them back to that heart of worship. In communion, we proclaim that we belong to Jesus. We are his people, bought by his blood. All these things are linked Communion reflects on a past event, but it brings us to that present salvation and it points to a future hope. Doing it proclaims it. Sometimes actions speak louder than words. What we do today in remembrance of Jesus is powerful. And no wonder the interpretation and practice of the Lord's Supper has been a focus for Disagreement and division throughout the history of the church because the enemy hates it when we do this because it's so powerful. We are doing what Jesus has asked us to do. Paul is saying to the Corinthians, you have forgotten its true meaning, what it's all about. It is not about you. It is about the Lord. It is the Lord's Supper its origin and its meaning. So come back to the heart of worship. It's all about Jesus. Come with thanksgiving. That's what Eucharist means, thanksgiving. Come and confess. It's a moment to examine ourselves, to make sure that we're following the right lines. It's a moment to draw near to Jesus once again. So I invite you, wherever you are, to come and share in this simple meal, to take bread and a cup. And this meal, this simple but significant and special meal, we do in remembrance of Jesus. And when we do it, we proclaim his death until he comes. In a moment, we're going to invite you to take bread and share a cup. And we're going to listen to a beautiful song led by Alice and Keris. Please follow the instructions that will appear on the screen.
And as we gather together, yes, we're separated in our homes, but we are one body of Christ. And we share the Lord's Supper together, declaring, proclaiming together the Lord's death. And the invitation is for all of us. We remember that Jesus, when he walked on this earth, in the homes of Jairus and Matthew, Mary and Martha, he was always the guest. But for this meal that we share, Jesus is the host. And he invites you to be his guest. And we come with faith. We come in repentance. We come desiring to know Jesus more. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen.
Just this hand.